When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been covering the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and hosting this podcast for 97 episodes and counting. It is now February the 20th, 2024. Today is the day that the Orioles will have their first full squad workout with the start of Grapefruit League now only four days away. All of the remaining action in spring training is to get ready for opening day in another 37 days. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the big surprise injury news from the first day of camp and how that might impact the team this year. I got to tell you, it was an awfully rude awakening from the dreams of everything going perfectly as the 2024 Orioles try to repeat their 101 win effort from last year with the uh, offseason injury update from Mike Elias. That's, of course, exactly what I said in last week's episode of the show. One big question was going to be who shows up, and suddenly we find out they've been hurt for a while. Uh, I wish I was not accurate in predicting that future, unfortunately. That is part of how spring training goes, and this year it was much more significant than the surprise injury uh, for Dylan Tate of last spring. As Elias let everyone know about a sprain of Kyle Bradish's UCL that he suffered when he started throwing early last month. Another update concerned John Means, who is a month behind other pitchers as part of the team's plan to give him extra rest when he, after not being able to pitch in the postseason last year. Gunnar Henderson has some oblique soreness. And finally, catching prospect Samuel Basayo has a stress fracture in his throwing elbow that is going to keep him from catching uh, fully in games until the end of April. 
So really, you know, for anyone who was following this stuff as it popped up on Twitter uh, last Thursday morning, it was really a brutal 10 to 15 minute stretch, uh, just one punch after the other. So today I'm really just going to focus on Bradish and Means. I don't even have the uh, energy to get into Henderson and Basayo and how much we should worry about them. Elias, at least, does not seem worried about Henderson missing any regular season time. Hopefully that ends up being the case. And uh, as for Basayo, he was going to be in the minors anyway. Hopefully this doesn't set back his development as a catcher too much. But as far as the starting pitchers, my immediate reaction upon hearing the news, probably many of yours as well, was to wonder how the Orioles would end up responding to it and whether Elias would decide to do something differently uh, for the season plan after finding out about it. But, of course, it is important to keep in mind that although reporters and fans only found out about these assorted injuries when Elias said something, the pitching ones especially, the Orioles have known about them for a little while, so it was not at all a surprise to them about Means, since they were the ones who put him on the extra rest plan really at the start of the offseason. And it wasn't a surprise to them about Bradish since they knew of that injury after he suffered it. So it's interesting that the Corbin Burns trade happened after the Orioles were aware of those injuries. Uh, If there was a response, you know, it was that. We just didn't know at the time that uh, getting Burns was part of the response. They might have gotten Burns anyway, but it certainly couldn't have hurt the Orioles' motivation to want to get Corbin Burns if they knew Kyle Bradish was going to end up missing probably no less than six, no fewer than six uh, uh, weeks of the season. And really, yeah, you know, the Bradish thing is a real bummer. There's no way around it because for about two weeks, uh, really like 10 days, whatever, we got to enjoy the idea of Burns and Bradish as a one-two punch. That was a fun one. And now, at least for the start of the season, we're not going to get that. Uh, Bradish, he was supposed to start resume throwing, I should say, shortly after reporting to camp, and so that will delay him about six weeks. Of course, what made that a scary injury to talk about is because anytime you start talking about the UCL for a pitcher, it's not fun. UCL, as a reminder, that is the ulnar collateral ligament and elbow ligament. That is the ligament that has to be repaired when pitchers end up needing Tommy John surgery. So you don't want to hear about UCL injuries for any pitcher on your favorite baseball team, especially not someone who was an absolute ace, one of the best pitchers in the American League for the Orioles last year. Bradish received a platelet-rich plasma injection to help with healing. We all just got to hope that ends up working. The Orioles don't seem to have any panic about Bradish, so I will say there's definitely a difference in between how Mike Elias talked about, say, Felix Bautista after he was hurt last August compared to uh, Mike, how Elias talked about Bradish when his injury was announced last week. So I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. For me, it's not so much being worried about the current six-week uh, timetable as it is worrying about what might happen if Bradish has a setback on his recovery from this point. You know, we could get to mid-April and then find out that Bradish won't get to pitch until July. It could be even worse news than that. He won't get to pitch at all this year or part of next if the next uh, injury update, if he has a setback on this rehab, is that he ends up needing Tommy John surgery. So, you know, I, I don't want to see that happen. Now we got to be a bit more worried about that happen until really, you know, uh, the middle of May rolls along and uh, Bradish is back and looking like his old self. 
As for Means, you know, that's surprising when compared against everything Means said during the Birdland Caravan, in which he said things like, quote, I should be good to go, when in fact by late January this was not clearly not the plan for the Orioles. The team had him on a plan going back to October of last year that he would be a month behind in starting up his offseason throwing. So, you know, it's not surprising because, of course, a guy who made exactly four starts since returning from his own Tommy John surgery before not being able to pitch in the playoffs due to elbow soreness, of course, he's not actually good to go. Projecting means into the 2024 rotation was more about us, and I'm certainly including myself in this group, you know, Orioles fans wanting means to be part of a good Orioles team really rather than about realistic hopes for a guy who is still not that far into a return from his own Tommy John surgery. Means was not very likely to ever start 30 games for the Orioles this year. I mean, heck, he didn't even start 30 games in his two full healthy years, uh, 2019 and 2021. So I don't know if waiting a month means means can give 25 good starts to the Orioles this year. Absolutely, that'll be worth it. Uh, It wasn't a fun second punch to find out Means also is a month behind when fans were allowed to believe otherwise previously. Not a fun second punch after the Bradish news, but we're all going to have to get over it and hope that the Orioles can adjust from there. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor, and then we can try and game out what the Orioles' options are for what to do in the absence of Bradish and Means. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. About a month ago, I talked through a no-action analysis on the Orioles' rotation at that time. That is, what would happen if nothing else was changed? 
with the Orioles rotation. At that time, I considered a rotation going from Braddish to Grayson Rodriguez to Means, Dean Kramer as the number four starter, Tyler Wells, number five starter. Since then, we had the exciting addition of Burns, which did end up subtracting previous maybe rotation candidate D.L. Hall from the mix as he was traded to the Brewers. Then in the last week, we had the disappointing news about Braddish and Means. At this point, I think a no-action analysis Orioles rotation looks like Burns number one, still Rodriguez number two, Kramer is now the number three guy. That can be a problem, as we saw in the postseason last year. Wells at number four, Cole Irvin number five. And at this point, it seems like the only real uh, other internal options other than those five guys would be if pitching prospects Chase McDermott or Cade Povich somehow pitched their way into the opening day picture. That always seemed like unlikely to me, regardless of any other stuff going on, just from looking at how those guys pitched in the minors last year. McDermott had a 5.1 walks per nine innings across double and triple A. Povich over the same two levels, 4.7. It's just, it's too high. You don't want to have guys and shove them into the rotation when that's how many guys they're walking. I always felt like they needed some more work. On Monday, as Brandon Hyde addressed reporters, he offered praise for both McDermott and Povich, but also told reporters that, quote, more likely they would start in AAA, end quote, because the Orioles are not looking to rush those guys to the majors. If that is not best for their development, I am not terribly surprised to hear that, but that should close the door for anyone who had not already realized that about those players. So with them out of the picture, you know, adding depth for potentially the early part of the season, that's now even more important than it was a month ago because if your depth option is Cole Irvin, which it turns out the Orioles' depth option was, that's got the potential to turn out okay. Irvin does have two major league seasons where he at least successfully ate innings and was only a little bit below league average uh, ERA when adjusting for the park and league effects. So now at this point, what is the depth if, let's say, Dean Kramer takes a line drive off of his foot the same way that Bradish did in his first start a year ago? At that time, the Orioles brought up Rodriguez, which, you know, based on how Rodriguez performed in the first half of last season, that might have not actually been the best for his development either. Though, of course, you could spin it as this being important failure for Rodriguez to learn from. But either way, there is no Grayson Rodriguez level guy waiting in the wings now to potentially step into the Orioles rotation in April. So if there's an additional April pitching injury, uh, you're probably looking at like Bruce Zimmerman coming up and making starts in the rotation. And I've written this as an aside on Camden chat. I'll say it again here. I don't want the 2024 Orioles to have to turn at any point to anyone with a five plus career ERA to make any starts. I don't want that to have to happen. Zimmerman had a 5.54 ERA in two partial years in the rotation. That was uh, 2021 and 2022. And for him, that worked out to an ERA plus of 75, which is to say Zimmerman was 25% worse than the average pitcher. I feel like the Orioles are built to overcome some challenges. We saw them overcome some as they won 101 games last year, but they should not have to deal with with that challenge. So I think another signing would protect them against setbacks happening for either Bradish or Means 
or for any other injury cropping up with the now existing group of starting rotation uh, guys. Because, I mean, again, only Burns and Kramer have made it through a full MLB season as league average or better pitchers out of the five guys who now look like the opening day rotation. We have had one other change since I made an assessment of the Orioles rotation, which was the news of David Rubenstein's group coming in to buy the Orioles, which is reportedly still on a fast track at the MLB uh, ownership level. But even a fast track for that deal reportedly is probably not going to be complete until at the earliest around opening day. So, I mean, that's a relevant timeline because we're in a limbo period right now. And it's like, is there potential for the Orioles to make another signing of any kind of substance, uh, knowing that the new group is coming in soon, but they're not there yet? Clearly, for 2024, the Orioles had some payroll flexibility since they were able to add Burns, who is making about $16 million this year during that same limbo period. But I don't know if there's enough flexibility still during the limbo period or maybe even afterwards for uh, really to contemplate adding whatever pitcher you prefer out of the remaining high-end options of Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell. I mean, I think these guys, they're going to have to sign with somebody soon if they're going to start the season on time. And if their ambitions for years or dollars end up scaling back in the face of the reality of uh, what teams are actually out there offering them money, I don't know, maybe that makes them interesting for the Orioles. I continue to believe that it feels like a high uh, annual average value signing for three years or maybe even two would line up pretty well with opening up money several years down the road once Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson are into arbitration and Jackson Holiday is uh, not going to be far behind them for starting to get bigger pay raise. He hits arbitration. I don't know, you know, that famously Montgomery and Snell, they're Scott Boras clients. I don't know that he's going to advise his clients to settle for whatever deal is the best deal out there on like February 23rd or whatever. And Boris, of course, he's known for getting the big payday, even when you don't think he will. He's done it a number of times, including, unfortunately, for Orioles fans when he got the bag for Chris Davis. And I just will say time is running out for these guys to fully participate in the 2024 regular season. And I think that's going to ultimately impact the amount they get paid for 2024 if they don't get themselves in the fold soon. But maybe they're thinking long rather than worrying about the 2024 money, which that is certainly their prerogative. But, uh, you know, again, it's February the 20th. And as of this recording, they are not signed. They're running out of time. Before the Burns trade, I got to say, I thought it would be disappointing if the Orioles only made a lower end signing, but now that they at least have Burns at the top of the rotation, I think it's more worth contemplating a less expensive move to fortify the back end of the rotation picture. For me, interesting out there that's still unsigned is Michael Lorenzen, the 32-year-old right-hander who threw a no-hitter after being traded to the Phillies last year. But mostly he sucked for his new team other than throwing that no-hitter. Uh, he was ended up being worth 2.0 baseball reference war over the full season. So I feel like if the Orioles could sign a guy to be a two-war pitcher for them, that would be worth it to displace either Wells or Irvin. Whether Lorenzen can end up being that pitcher is another matter. In the uh, Zips projection system at Fangraphs, 
Lorenzen is projected for a 4.70 ERA. So, I mean, if that's the case, you might as well let it roll with Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin. See if Chase McDermott or Cade Povich is ready to step in later in the year, or if those guys aren't, or if there's another injury, whatever. The Orioles can see where they are, and they can see whether they want to make a trade in July. We do know that Wells can give us three good months because that's what he did last year. And I certainly think that Irvin is capable of being better than he was in the rotation last year. So maybe that could be good enough, maybe. But if either Bradish or Means gets delayed further, I will be closer to going into a panic mode about the Orioles rotation this year because at that point, it's really just one more bit of bad news from things getting a lot more grim than any of us really wanted to think about, let's say, a month ago, or even 10 days ago when the freshest Orioles rotation news was acquiring Burns. Let's dip into the mailbag before we wrap up tonight. This one comes in from listener Ty, who is easily our most dedicated questioner. If you want to break up the Ty Monopoly, you can email camdencastpod at gmail.com for a question or topic you would like me to talk about in a future episode. Ty wrote in conjunction with this being top 100 prospect list season, he noted that the Orioles have several top 100 prospects again, as they have for several years running now, but there are also a number of contributors who were never top 100 prospects who have gone on to be solid MLB contributors. And Ty noted these guys, Cedric Mullins, John Means, Kyle Bradish, and Dean Kramer. I agree with you, Ty, all of those guys, uh, they've been solid MLB contributors and they were never top 100 guys. So Ty asked who I think might be the never top 100, but still solid MLB contributors guys on the farm right now. So Ty, thank you for writing in again. I've got a number of guys in mind because I have way too much Orioles on my mind at any given time, including the farm system. But just to keep things connected to one theme, I'll just rattle off a few outfielders who the Orioles have drafted over the past two drafts. First off, Dylan Beavers, longtime listeners of the show may remember, is a favorite prospect in my household because immediately before the Orioles drafted him in 2022, MLB Network showed a list of available prospects uh, at that moment in the draft. I turned to my wife and asked her who the Orioles should draft based on the names on the screen. She exclaimed, Beavers! And then the Orioles drafted Dylan Beavers. I don't think he's ever going to be a top 100 guy because power light, walk heavy guys don't get many believers. Uh, I also think Beavers' minor league success up to this point has been fueled by extremely good batting average on balls in play luck that he will not be able to count on uh, if he gets to the AAA level or the major league level. So I think that's going to impact his top 100 prospect pedigree. But, you know, I want him to be good enough to make it. I hope that he can be. And again, like fellow 2022 draftee Judd Fabian, he comes with substantial strikeout warts that will probably keep him off of lists. Again, um, he's a little older as well, and he does have the potential, I think, to make it if he can mitigate some of his problems. It's a big if, so I don't think he'll ever make a top 100 list, but if he is able to break out, he could be a solid MLB contributor. That's why the Orioles drafted him uh, where they did in the 2022 draft. 
Uh, and then it, last year in later rounds, the Orioles drafted a couple more outfielders who are uh, reputed to have toolsy potential, but they don't have a lot of track record for playing baseball against high end competition. So we're looking at fifth round pick Jake Cunningham and 10th round pick Matthew Etzel. These guys, I mean, they don't have the pedigree to where they would get ranked no matter how well they play, I don't think. But I mean, either one. If their tools develop into actual use-in-game baseball skills, either one of these guys could climb the minors with some solid numbers and I think eventually be an interesting big leaguer. Um, I'll just say another recent Oriole who fit in this group was Trey Mancini. He was never a top 100 guy. He had a solid Orioles career. Unfortunately for us, it was mostly lined up in bad years rather than good ones, but he was a guy, he was a later round uh, draft pick, I think the eighth round uh, off the top of my head, and he just kept hitting solid numbers on his way up the minors. Nobody ever thought much out of him because he was a righty batting first baseman. Those are like the least interesting prospects out there. He just kept hitting everywhere he went. Finally, he got a chance at the big league level, turned into a solid Oriole for a few years. And so, I mean, on an individual level, there's no guarantee that any one of these four guys that I've named here, Beavers, Fabian, Cunningham, and Etzel will ever make it. But I think the odds are pretty good that at least one of those guys is going to turn into eventually a useful big leaguer for somebody without ever being a top 100 prospect. So at least for the outfield mix, there you go. That is all that I've got for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast listening platform. Starting next week, we will be back to episodes every Monday for the remainder of spring training, and then we'll get into regular season mode after that. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. This is Mark Brown, signing off.